From cookies to comic books, in the next 10 minutes, we'll get the lowdown on what's up in the world. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and this is the 10 News. Internet company Google is shaking things up with some big changes to how the search engine shares your data. The company recently announced its browser will no longer allow cookies. Cookies! No, not the delicious kind of cookies. Cookies are little pieces of code that advertisers use to record your online search history. Then they use that information to show you ads for things they think you might be interested in. Let's say at one point you Googled coolest podcast for kids. Eventually, you might start getting ads with my face in them. Makes sense to me. There's been a lot of concern lately, though, about who gets to see your search history and how that information is used. And Google isn't the only company to take steps to protect users' privacy. Apple is rolling out a new system on iPhones that requires apps to ask your permission to collect certain data, like your location, for instance. These moves may mean major changes for how companies advertise online. March is National Reading Month. To celebrate, I sat down with author Clarabelle Ortega to talk about her hit book, Ghost Squad, and how great readers can become great writers. Thank you so much for joining us. This is amazing. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, my name is Clarabelle Ortega, and I write books for kids. Uh, my first book, Ghost Squad, came out last year, and it's a spooky Halloween adventure about a girl named Luceli Luna who accidentally unleashes un- of some evil spirits on her city of St. Augustine and has to send them back into the underworld with her best friend, Sid, a fat cat named Chunk, and a witch named Babette before the full moon on Halloween. Spooky. I love it. (laughs) So I'm guessing a lot of our listeners know you from Ghost Squad. Where did the idea come from? And is there a relationship between you and the material and the story? The idea for Ghost Squad came from a couple different places. I'm a huge fan of sort of adventures centering kids. I loved the Goonies growing up and Hocus Pocus. Uh, So I always wanted to write something that felt that way to me. Um, And then Ghost Squad is very much based on my Dominican culture and mythology that says, or folklore rather, that says that fireflies are the uh, souls of our lost loved ones watching over us. I thought that was always such a beautiful thing. It's such a really uh, comforting idea. Um, And I wanted to incorporate it into a kid's story, both to help people who are navigating grief and loss and also to sort of preserve this word of mouth uh, thing that I'd been taught when I was a a child and I wanted to share it with other people. Oh, wow. So that, oh my goodness, that gives me like 18 (laughs) questions. So I'll try to go (laughs) one at a time. (laughs) So I, it's so awesome that Ghost Squad integrates Spanish throughout the story. My, my background is Puerto Rican. So that's, that is so It's so lovely to see um, cultures represented. How do you feel that you represent your family specifically and maybe your upbringing in your work and why is that important to do so? So there is a certain amount of pressure that comes with it, but mostly I'm just honored to be able to help children who, who 
didn't get to see themselves ever um, in books be able to do that. And also even adults um, like myself who, you know, I didn't really grow up with books that spoke about you know, Caribbean households um, in the way that Ghost Squad does in a way that's not like an issue book, right? It's just an adventure. And the kids happen to be Dominican and the kids happen to be Black. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. And it shows that everyone is capable of being a hero in a story. How do you pick and choose which of your experiences will go into a story or will be turned into a book? So for me, the story really comes first. Uh, with Ghost Squad, it was interesting because it was sort of like a combination of things. Uh, uh, I mentioned before that the book is a sort of an, uh, a light exploration of grief. I don't delve too deep into like the dark side of it, but I do talk about it in, in a way that I feel is um, can open up kids to questions to be able to, to talk about it. Um, and the reason why was because I lost my brother um, to cancer. And I had a really hard time navigating that loss because sometimes we get afraid to talk about those kinds of things. But I think they're really important for kids to talk about, especially when they're seeing it on the TV every day anyway. Um, and to help them process those kinds of things, I think books can do a lot um, in that arena. So that was part of it. And then the other part of it was sort of like the adventure part of it, right? The story came to me. I always, like watching the Goonies, I grew up in the South Bronx. So seeing kids ride bikes like that far away from their house was like, what? <laughs> I was allowed to go to the corner store and back. My mom had to be able to have eyes on me at all times. So um, just that um, having that sort of like independence and distance and um, was so appealing to me because it's something I never really got to experience. Who were some authors who inspired you when you were our listeners age? So my number one, uh, a huge fangirl of R.L. Stein. I loved Goosebumps. I could not stop reading his books. So definitely Arl Stein. Um, I also was a big fan of the Babysitter's Club. I loved The House on Mango Street by um, Sandra Cisneros. I read that book about 7 billion times when I was a kid. Um, and then, you know, I read a lot of older books that I don't really remember the names of the authors now, but we would go to the library and they would sell really old, old books uh, when I was a kid um, for like 50 cents. So I used to just buy uh, those and, and I don't remember the names of it, but I, I just read anything I could get my hands on. But definitely Arl Stein was was my favorite. I loved him and I still do to this day. I think he's fantastic. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for, for being with us. Thank you for having me. It was super fun. <laughs> I, I feel little authors popping up everywhere as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> up next, correspondent Pamela Kirkland brings us some superhero news about how one comic book company is honoring its legendary ladies. Oh, I can't wait for this one. I don't know how you're going to get through all that. Don't worry. She's got help. If you're a comic book fan, you know there have always been some pretty powerful women in the Marvel Universe. 
In honor of Women's History Month, Marvel has rolled out a whole series of new covers of some of your favorite super sheroes. Each cover highlights a different iconic female hero from She-Hulk to Spider-Woman to Black Panther Shuri. Don't worry, I'll guide you through it. Comic book artist Jen Bartel illustrated the eight covers for Marvel. She's an award-winning artist who's drawn for DC and Marvel comics alike. Not only did she sketch out the characters, she designed outfits for each one that reflects the year that character was created. She told Marvel in an interview that she loves drawing superheroes, and these covers feel extra special. Her favorite thing about Marvel's female characters, she says, is despite the fact they have superpowers, they're extremely relatable. Superheroes, they're just like us. I'm sorry, did I step on your mom? There's a chance you've seen one of those little wooden boxes on a post with a glass door and a bunch of books inside. Maybe you've even taken something to read or left your favorite novel for others to enjoy. But have you ever wondered how the box got there in the first place? Hmm. Well, in 2009, Todd Bowl built the first little free library in Hudson, Wisconsin, in memory of his mother, a former school teacher and a big fan of reading. At first, the idea was to give people a place to share books for free. But when Todd saw people gathering around the little box to talk about what was in it, he knew he had started something bigger. Now his nonprofit organization has over 100,000 little free libraries in over 100 countries and has won tons of awards for its work to support literacy. Way to go! So check out the link in the show notes to learn how you can build a little free library in your neighborhood. Woohoo! Time's up. But before we go, here's a quick note for the grown-ups. Want even more great content from the 10 News? Sign up for the 10 News newsletter, a.k.a. the 10 News Letter. It's a free bi-weekly email with even more stories to enjoy together. And we made it easy for you. The link to join is in the show notes and on our website, the10news.com. Thanks for listening to The 10 News. Look out for our new episodes on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and extras on Saturdays. The 10 News is a co-production of Small But Mighty Media and Next Chapter Podcast and is distributed by iHeartRadio. Our editorial director is Tracy Crooks. Editing and sound design by Pete Musto, who also co-wrote today's episode with Ben Austin DeCampo. Our creative producer is Jenner Pasqua. Stephen Tompkins is our head of audience development. And our production assistant is Sarah Olander. Pamela Kirkland contributed to today's episode. Our production director is Jeremiah Tittle. And the 10 News is executive produced by Donald Albright and show creator Tracy Leeds Kaplan. Do you want to be part of the show? Have a grown-up help you record a question, a joke, or a fun fact you want to share and email it to us at hello at the10news.com. And if you really love the 10 News, and we so hope you do, go to your favorite podcast app and submit a rating and review. It helps others find the show so they can join the fun too. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and thanks for listening to the 10 News. Now I'm going to go make some real cookies that go in my mouth, not my computer. <laughs>